Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to... You just go try to beat up. Yeah, I know. I'm going to murder. That lady murder. could be your mama. You can't do that. No, she's only five years older than me. For real? Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was a clip from this week's Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Ex-Wives Club, which is airing now on Peacock. If you're not watching it, you need to go do it immediately. It's the best show on TV. It's better than anything on the Bravo Network. It's better than anything on any other network, too. I know people like, oh, what are those other shows people watch? Breaking Bad or Yellow Jackets or whatever. This is better than any of those. It blows them out of the water, so go watch it. Truly, the show that I look forward to most watching every single week is Ultimate Girls Trip XYZ Club. I don't ever want them to end. I mean, that clip, it was just... Phaedra didn't know that Dorinda was only five years older than Brandy. I mean, and the bartender was laughing just like we were at home. And when Phaedra's like, my bad, <laughs> laughing so hard. And Phaedra's never been funnier. I mean, in the confessionals, in the scenes, she's just so hilarious. And just seeing this mix of women together is just thrilling to me. And I do think that they're setting Phaedra up for a return on some level. Now, a lot of people think maybe Atlanta Housewives, she'll come back and they'll get rid of Candy. I actually think they'll put her on Dubai because here's my theory. They showed her on Watch What Happens Live, and Freja was saying that she's looking for a house in Dubai. And then obviously she cameoed this past week on Dubai Housewives, and she said she was looking for a house there. So I think she'll still stay in Atlanta half the time, but then they'll do that that TV thing while they're fake it. That's my theory. I don't know that to be true, but it seems like they'll need something big and splashy for season two of Dubai. And so I imagine that happening. And also when she guest starred in Dubai, it wasn't just a lunch. She also went skiing with them. Although I wish she was at the dinner, too. I was like, I, we need her around the whole time. We need her there the whole episode. But normally when there's a guest star, you know, like when Lizzie from Morales of Orange County pops up, it's like she shows up without a mic on for one second, and then they they leave her footage on the cutting room floor. But with Phaedra, they were getting all they could out of her when she went to Dubai. So uh, speaking of Orange County, too, you guys, we got breaking Orange County casting news. Got to discuss this. So uh, Dr. Jen and Noella, or as we lovingly call her, Whisper, they have been put on pause on the Real House of Orange County, a.k.a. they've been fired. So they will no longer be returning one and done housewives. And uh, it seems as though Hip and Casita have inexplicably returned for another day, despite the fact that they have nary a memorable moment between the two of them in five plus years. And the fact that Gina, I think, uh, Casita has hosted, what, one party in five years, something like that on camera. It seems that production must love them because here they come again. Hip and Casita ride again. That's the theme of next season. I don't know how it keeps happening. When I heard that, I just thought, what? Now, it hasn't even been officially revealed that they are coming back. However, it seems as though they would have announced it with the other two. So I'm assuming they're coming back. And I don't think they'd get rid of the whole Housewife cast uh, at a time because they already did sort of a soft reboot last time. And here's my theory. Obviously, the soft reboot that they did last season where they brought in Heather 
and they brought in uh, what the Dr. Jen and Noella, and then Nicole James, who just left in the middle of the season, inexplicably didn't explain nothing, just left, showed up, and then showed out, was nowhere to be found again, despite the fact that she was a big part of the early episodes. So they tried to bring in all these dudes, people they didn't work. So my theory, here's what I think is going to happen. Obviously, we're getting Hip and Casita back. Again, despite the fact that no one wants them back. <laughs> they seem like lovely people, but I don't know that we need them back. I don't, I can't think of one memeable, gifable moment from the whole five years they've been on the show, but I digress. I think they'll be back. Shannon, Storms, Bedore is coming back. Heather Dubrow, Shamps is coming back. Now, I think that they realized that the soft reboot didn't work with the new people. And it seems like, obviously, it's hard to cast in Orange County. But here's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to bring in Tamara back. I think she'll be back full time. Now, I think a lot of people are thinking, well, then if they bring Tamara back, they'll bring Vicky back. I don't think they'll bring Vicky back because I don't think Vicky's having a great showing on Ultimate Girls Trip. I think largely the the audience hated her towards the end of her tenure on the Orange County House. So I just remember she was in that last reunion and she was so pissed she was the friend of. So I don't think Vicky's coming back, but here's what I think they are going to do. Taylor Armstrong, Taylor, enough Armstrong. Enough! 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 She lives in Orange County now. Obviously, she went to the Berkshires with Tamara and Vicky in Ultimate Girls Trip. I think they're going to bring Ta- uh, Taylor Armstrong in as a friend of next season on Orange County Housewives because here's what I, here's my thinking behind it all. The new people didn't work. And I think what they're going to start finding, and maybe this is part of the, the positioning with Real Housewives of New York legacy, is that the old Bravo audience, we like seeing the old gals. I don't think that we're so interested in meeting a bunch of new gals. I think at a time, me in particular, I wanted new people. I wanted to keep it fresh. But then as it started to happen more and more in all of our franchises, I miss the OGs. I miss the people that I've grown up with. Even the monsters that I don't like, it's like I miss them on my screen oftentimes. Now, sometimes they cross into that monster territory where they're too much and I don't want them on my screen. However, I don't love meeting the new gals. I want to stick with my old gals. And I think Bravo is finding that more and more when they have too much turnover The Bravo audience is more excited to see the people that we grew up with. And I think it helps bring viewers back who maybe stop watching to bring back some of the old faces that we started watching these franchises to begin with. So I think they're going to bring Taylor in. I don't think that she'll be full-time because watching Ultimate Girls Trip, it doesn't seem like she has a ton going on, but I do think that they'll try to bring her in as like a friend of. So that's my theory. I think that'll be our cast and maybe they'll bring in one new person or something, but I, that's what I'm, that's my gut. That's my gut. Cause I'm feeling it's even part of the reason why we're seeing, uh, in all the commercials for Dubai. It's like, uh, Phaedra's, uh, cameo was like the big selling point for the real houses of Dubai. And then now they're starting New York Legacy where they obviously are going to have some legacy cast members on there because, uh, it seems like that's what the Bravo viewers want. And also just doing this podcast, I hear from all of you guys, people say, we need to bring this person back. We need to bring that person back. And I think the success of Ultimate Girls Trip Ex-Wives Club, where it seems like the Bravo audience is loving it so much, which how could you not? And I think that also lets them know, lets us know that that's what we want. We want to see these old gals. We want to see the old ones. That's what I want. So that's what I think is going to happen on Orange County. Now, um, to be seen. I mean, there's a lot of problems with bringing Taylor on Orange County Housewives because this week on Ultimate Girls Trip, which we're going to dive into uh, for a little bit here, 
she was losing me a little bit. Taylor Armstrong, they were sitting at a dinner table, and she's bringing up Adrian Maloof, who Adrian Maloof, who was on The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. And remember, Brandy had revealed that Maloof, who had a surrogate or something like that, and it wasn't po- public knowledge, although apparently everyone in Beverly Hills knew about it. All the gals knew about it. And Brandy brought it up one time when she was fighting with Adrian and the husband, Paul. And so Taylor Armstrong brings it up. This is like 15 years later or something like that. And we've seen on the show, on Beverly Hills Housewives, Adrian Malouf and Brandy have seemingly made up. I think they've even spent time together on social media. I, I feel like in in the past few years, I've seen Brandy and Malouf on social media together. So they're fine, but Taylor's bringing it up. And Brandy rightly says in the episode that she thinks Taylor's bringing it up for a storyline. She needs something to talk about on the show, like Bonnie Raitt. And so I think that's what's happening. But then Taylor was getting a little tipsy. And by a little tipsy, I mean it seemed like possibly blackout drunk because she was saying stuff about a cinnamon stick. Did anyone hear this? A cinnamon stick. I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? She said something about putting a cinnamon stick in water. And it was not an analogy I've ever heard before. And I know uh, Taylor's from Oklahoma. You remember she told Kim Richards she's going to go Oklahoma on her ass. And so I'm thinking maybe this is an Oklahoma thing, like you put a cinnamon stick in boiling water or something. But the analogy didn't make any fucking sense to me. Any sense to me. And so I didn't understand that. And then Taylor Armstrong, she brings up the Critics' Choice Awards. The Critics' Choice Awards. They won one Critics' Choice Awards, The Real House of Beverly Hills. And I'm not trying to take away from the gals on screen, but I think largely the Critics' Choice Awards should be for the producers and the people who craft these storylines. Because as we know, a reality show, you get hours and hours of footage, and it doesn't mean you're going to have a good TV show. I personally think that a good production company can make a good TV show out of no footage, and a bad production company can make a terrible TV show out of great footage. And so I'm not trying to take away from the gals because they did put it all on screen those early seasons of Beverly Hills. But the fact that she was like throwing it, she's like, I'm the only one who won a Critics' Choice Award at this table. Everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was nuts. It was truly nuts. So she was losing me there. And speaking of speaking of losing me, because this is going to be tough for me to say, you know, we often, Housewives fans, we love a Housewife one minute and then five minutes later we change and we change our mind. But then we also have our Housewives that we're ride or die for. We know we have the ones that, despite our better judgment, we love them. And Dorinda's always been that for me. You know, Dorinda's been a housewife that I love and that I've stuck behind through the good, through the bad. And I've gotten on this microphone. I've defended her as much as I could. But uh, this week, it was tough. It was tough to be a Dorinda fan. It's not been a good week for Dan. It's not been a good week for all the Dorinda fans out there. So if you have a Dorinda fan in your life, I'd just like you to check up on them. Maybe send them a text, an email, just say, hey, how you doing? Want to check in? Because it hasn't been so easy for us. Because Dorinda, this week on The Real House's Ultimate Girls Trip, she the past two weeks, really, last week, we didn't really talk about it, but she went after Jill because... Jill was getting thirsty about Eva's radio show, and then Dorinda got in the mix and started yelling at her. And it was not really a fun fight because Jill was completely sober. Jill don't drink. And so they were fighting in the confessional. Dorinda like was sort of chasing after her around the Bluestone Manor. And then they were in the confessional. All the gals were in the confessional, and Dorinda's yelling at Jill. And so it was like, that was a tough week, for one. Then this week, Jill and Dorinda made up. Not before, though, they didn't talk about the Real Houses in New York. And this was so fascinating to me, all the Bobby funeral stuff. Because there were all these allegations. And I got to be honest, I I thought Bethany was the one who wanted the cameras at Bobby's funeral. Because that was the allegation 
I think it was at the reunion. Ramona had said it to uh, Andy at the reunion, saying like Bethany wanted to bring the cameras there and she was mic'd up. And so I really believe that Bethany wanted to look good on camera. And so she brought the cameras to Bobby's funeral and then filmed that scene outside the funeral. Well, come to find out that it was actually Jill Zarin who emailed production. And Jill had said that it wasn't her. It was an assistant that she had fired. And then the producers were like, we have the email from the assistant. And Jill's like, well, was I on the email? And they're like, no, but it was from your assistant. She's like, well, wouldn't you have thought that they would have CC'd me? I was like, this is a smoking gun. Somebody needs to get a lawyer in here. Because obviously Jill is lying. Like I could, it was so obvious she was lying. She's like, well, was I CC'd on there? And it was just, you know, we can tell someone's lying. I even think Jill in the moment was like, oh yeah, everybody could tell I was lying. (laughs) Cause do you ever feel, I am a bad liar. So I sometimes feel like when I'm lying, I'm just, as I'm telling a lie, I'm thinking, oh yeah, like everybody knows, everybody I'm telling this lie to knows that I'm lying. Like everybody, it's clear to everyone and we're all just going with it. But it's like, you can tell when I'm lying. Like I'm not, a, and I think that's exactly what's happening with Jill. It's like, she was telling the lie to camera and she knew production knew everybody knew, but we're like, we're just going to keep going. But it was so fascinating to me because I wrongfully thought our skinny girl ham founder was the one who was lying about bringing cameras to Bobby's funeral. So here we go. It was actually Jill Zarin who invited everyone, which is, this is some dark fucking stuff. This is dark stuff. And then Dorinda had also alleged that Jill Zarin asked her at the funeral or right after the funeral about Dayton Gary, who's her new boyfriend. I mean, this is dark. This is dark, heavy stuff. And I feel like we all just sort of moved past it because then there were all these other crazy things that happened. But I actually think like we all need to sit with that information that like Jill emailed production to come to have them film at her ex-husband's funeral. And it's, I think it was important that we filmed at the funeral. Bobby was a big part of the show. He's a big part of the early days of Roni. So I'm glad that we had that footage. And I think it was actually very touching and very heartwarming footage to see Bethany and Jill come together and have some sort of closure with the relationship that happened. However, looking at it from sort of like, the lens of outside of reality TV, like that's fucked up. Like to have the camera crew come to Bobby's funeral, your husband's funeral. And then the stuff about Dayton Gary. I mean, that was hard, but again, we just moved past it because they made up. And then we had all this other crazy stuff with Taylor and Brandy. And then Brandy says something to Taylor about like you, I don't even want to repeat what she said, but she said something about Russell. And then Dorinda came in and said something about like, uh, what about your, what if something happened to your son? I mean, it was just like they were one-upping each other in darkness. And I was watching it, and was anyone else shocked? I mean, Matt was watching it with me, and he like doesn't normally watch these housewives, but he's really into Ultimate Girls Trip. And we both were like, "Ah!" because the thing is, with television, you think you can heighten only so far, right? Like you, even on a scripted show. Things happen, and then there comes a certain point where it's like the drama peaks, and then you have to come down and maybe have some resolution or, or something else has to happen. But with Ultimate Girls Trip, it just keeps peaking. And it's like you you can't believe it, the drama isn't stopping. Like It just keeps getting more and more and more. It's so incredible to watch, so compelling, so heavy, so much. I love that they're a bluestone manner, but that was hard. With you can't defend Dorinda in that moment because she got so dark, and it was like I don't think she meant to say it like that, but she still said it. And then all the gals were like, "Uh, you can't do that. You can't do that." And then Brandy just ran right to the bar and she said, "Get me a fucking drink." <laughs> she yelled at the bartender. That gay bartender was having a, a real gay old time. I mean, he was cracking up, laughing at the whole group, and I, the things that that man must have seen. 
Ah, uh, you guys, this show, that was so good. And then they had to have the lunch in the alleyway. What, what the fuck was that about? <laughs> I was cracking up because one of the funny things about this show that I love about it, I don't want them in the island because there would be too many places for them to go. Like, it's so funny to me that there's not really much for them to do. So it's like, they had to bring a fucking hot air balloon in, but then they had to, they, no one wanted to go fly away in the hot air balloon, you know, and they had got to keep them on Dorinda's property. So they had the thing tethered down. And the whole air balloon, they would just go up and then come down. They took, it was like it was a, a carnival ride or something. <laughs> like most people, you get on a hot air balloon and then you go fly away. And then on the ultimate girls trip, they're like, nope, you're not getting off this fucking property. Like they're keeping them in Dorinda's property. They're not going to step out, not a foot out of that property unless they're going to an alleyway to have their lunch. Like that's it. Otherwise, it's like they're in prison. <laughs> Like they put, it's literally like they lock these women up for eight days at Dorinda's house, Bluestone Manor. It's beautiful grounds. However, they are not stepping foot out. And the only time they are stepping foot out is to go eat in an alleyway. I mean, that what was that? They got to this restaurant and they're like, oh, where are we going to eat outside or inside? And they're like, yeah, we got a spot for you outside. And then they bring them to the alleyway. I mean, I was certain you'd see like a rat or something because that wasn't just like a alleyway where people are normally spent a lot of time in. That was like, this is our only outdoor space. And I bet this obviously happened during COVID times that they filmed this. And so they probably have to f- try to film as much as they can outside. And they probably contacted this restaurant and the restaurant's like, well, we're not allowed to have tables, you know, in the front or something. And they're like, well, the only other outdoor space we have is the alleyway where the dumpster is. I mean, I think the Sir Dumpster alleyway is nicer than the alleyway they had lunch in at the Real House Ultimate Girls trip. <laughs> I'd rather go to that alleyway to have a, where Kristen Doty's having a cigarette after fighting with Jax on the Vanderpump Rules show rather than sitting in this alleyway they're at in the Great Barrier or wherever they are in, um, in Boston or Massachusetts. So it was so funny to me. And then the, the water balloon, they're just flying up in the balloon and then flying down. <laughs> And then like, okay, then the rest of the day, we're gonna have a pool day. And it's like, they just have to stay on these grounds. Like they're just stuck there. And I love it. Ah, I love it. It's just this, it's this uh, hot pressure situation or what I don't know what the right term I'm looking for is, but I love it. 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 Okay. Um, what else? We got to talk about the Real Houses Atlanta. I did save the best for last. Atlanta House Live this week. You guys, it was great. Save the best for last. Just Uh, so we're going to talk about the Real Houses of Atlanta. We got to take a quick break here. We'll come back with more. I want to say find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino. I also want to let you know on Patreon, I put a new Sex in the City recap. So if you go to patreon.com slash everything iconic, and if you donate $4 more per month, you get access to the bonus episodes. I do one Sex in the City recap per month. More importantly, the money just helps to support this show. So uh, head on over there if you want that new Sex in the City recap. I, I think I put it up a few days ago. So uh, with that said, let's take a break and we'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. And we're back to talk about the Real Houses of Atlanta this week. that song Vanessa Williams I put it back on the soundboard and it just brings me so much joy I love a soft rock anthem something you'll hear at the grocery store while you're shopping for DiGiorno nothing better nothing better they don't make soft rock songs like they used to anymore I mean and I like a lot of the new songs we got a lot of fast songs nowadays and everything's customizable for the TikTok generation you know every song they say has got to be three minutes or less and it's got to have something that you could do on TikTok and so they could be a TikTok dance for it But I miss that kind of soft rock anthem where you would never hear Vanessa Williams save the best for last on a TikTok dance. And quite frankly, that's the music I'm yearning for. And maybe we need to just adjust. Maybe the people who are on TikTok, which I've been recently trying to post more on TikTok at Danny Pellegrino, but uh, maybe the people who are on TikTok, not me because I'm not a TikTok influencer, but maybe some of the people who are TikTok influencers need to start doing dances to some slow songs, you know, to some slow... Uh, ballads, uh, Celine Dion, Vanessa Williams, Tony Braxton ballads, like something, uh, from back in the nineties that we can all just enjoy. So then the record companies will want to start doing more ballads. Do you see what I mean? 
It's all about follow the money. So the record companies are following the money. So what we need is some TikTok influencers to start doing dances to songs like Save the Best for Last. So that's what I'm hoping. I don't know if anyone out there is a parent and your kid's an influencer on TikTok, but maybe just throw some soft rack at them. You know, put Natalie and Brulia's torn in front of them and see what happens. You know, tell them it's something new. I don't know if you watch Stranger Things, but that Kate Bush song is all over TikTok. That's from the 80s. And I'm hoping that has an influence on record companies to hear that Kate Bush song from Stranger Things. I'm hoping that maybe they'll start making more music like that. But we just, obviously, the kids are liking that song. So we need to throw more of the stuff that, you know, we want from the 90s back at the kids. Because it's they're embracing an 80s soft rock anthem with Kate Bush. So they'll embrace something. You just got to play it for them. So maybe we need to call up the, the Duffer Brothers who created that show Stranger Things. We need to send them a Vanessa Williams album. That's what I'm thinking. We need to send the Duffer Brothers a Vanessa Williams album. So we have one of them kids running from Vecna while listening to Save the Best for Last. And then it'll become a hit and they'll start making more ballads. You get what I mean? It's all the circle. Circle of life. Circle of the industry. So I don't know who anyone know the Duffer Brothers out there. Let's get Vecna, uh, the evil villain, to start listening to Save the Best for Last. You know? Something. Something. Uh, anyway, The Real House of Atlanta. You guys, this week we got the mid-season trailer at the end of the episode. The mid-season trailer, I don't want to say that it looks bad, but I am implying it. <laughs> That's me. <mean. laughs> That's mean. I actually love this season of Atlanta, but nothing really is like that mind-blowingly happening. But I, I love this episode. I think the mid-season trailer, it looks like we're going to have some more good episodes left. But I just don't know that we're getting any like water cooler episodes, which is fine. I mean, last season, was it last season, the season before we had the whole Bolo thing, which we had a flashback to it this week. But the Bolo situation was a big water cooler episode, but then it was like the rest of the 20 episodes they had were flops. Do you get what I mean? So I'm okay with just having a consistently good season. Uh, it's just we're not really having the water cooler stuff. But otherwise, like, this was such a good episode. I loved seeing Lisa Wu at the pajama party. Uh, I loved seeing, uh, I loved the whole pajama party. I mean, they had it all. It was like a bare ass on the screen quite a bit. I got to see that, that man's bare ass. And I love to turn on Bravo and see a bare ass. I mean, show me a, a man's bare ass. If they're not going to have any reality shows on Bravo about the gay community, then at least I'm going to see some guys bare ass on The Real Housewives. I mean, come on. I do think they need that, though. I was just reading this article in the Daily Beast, I think it was. And they were saying, is it time for like a gay male housewife? And I actually think they just need to do like a gay, a gay housewives where there used to be a show called the A-list on logo, which was basically gay housewives. And I loved it. I it was sort of ahead of its time because this was like 10 or 12 years ago, but I think they need to do a reality show. Even some of these other ones, like the Southern charms and the summer houses and stuff. It's like, can't we throw some gay people on these? Like what is going on? Just one of them because the audience for Bravo is like, women and gay men. And so it's like, can't you do one fucking show for gay men? I mean, one of them. I know all these shows are for gay men, but I'm saying like, can't we do one fucking show that's gay men? I mean, come on. One of, just one. One out of how many show? how many new shows? There's a hundred fucking below decks. Can't one of those boats be filled with gays? I mean, one of them. One of them. Just throws the LGBTQ community. It could be below deck LGBTQ. You know, that's what we'll call it. And it'll just be like a gay cat. We could even have that fucking Captain Sandy on. I don't care for her, but isn't she a lesbian? She could be the captain of the ship. And then all the crew is LGBTQ people. Like, let's do it, Bravo. What are you waiting for? I mean, a lot of these other news shows are flopping. Nobody's watching those other new. I mean, I hate to say it, but Love Match Atlanta. Nobody's watching Love Match Atlanta. 
So maybe we do, maybe one of these many new shows is a gay show. One of them, LGBTQ. It could, it does, it could be a big mix of LG. Remember on MTV, they did Are You the One? And it was like a full LGBTQ cast. And just because of the Bravo audience is so gay. And I like the housewives to just be the women. Because it's rare. We don't get to see a lot of shows with women over a certain age. That's a great thing on TV. And I like that they're diversifying with the women on these shows. And I think that's a fantastic thing. But then one of the new ones, can one of them, one of them, one of the below decks, they got a hundred spin-ups. They're on a, uh, a pontoon boat on below deck. They're on the yachts. They're on the sailing yacht. The, I mean, they have a, every, every thing at sea they're on. So can't we throw some LGBTQs on, on a boat at sea? Put them on a, a paddle boat or something, a canoe, below deck canoe with the LGBTQs. I don't know. Figure it out. I'm not the ex- production exec. I'm just saying it needs to happen. It's too, it's been too long. It's been too long for the amount of gay people watching this network. We need to start saying like, let's bring on a gay show. One of them, one of them. It's like how I feel about that Hallmark channel. Remember, I always said this about the Hallmark channel because you know, I love the Christmas movies, but if they're making 40 new Christmas movies a year, you tell me one of those 40 and now they're getting much better with that. Like they've had some and they've, they got some new ones coming with gay people in front of them or as the lead characters. But it's like, come on, Bravo, all these shows on the network, one of them you can't have with a bunch of gays. Come on. Like it, you know, what I'm saying LGBTQs in general. Okay, Atlanta, you guys, I, I got to Atlanta. What am I doing? I'm wasting so much time here. Um, we open with Drew and you guys, Drew and Ralph. What the fuck? I have so many questions. First of all, what's with these aliases with Drew and Ralph? So Ralph's alias is Danielle, but then Drew said Danielle is actually just his assistant's name. But then I'm, it's craziness. Every time we learn something new about Drew and Ralph, I'm like, what the fuck? And then doesn't it sort of feel like, and I've always liked Drew a lot, but it sort of feels like Drew is like almost a normal housewife. <laughs> like, like, I feel like every time we're, we're settling down with Drew for something, like there was that one scene with her mom where she was, they were getting their nails done. And it's like, we learn one thing, but it, it's always just like slightly off. Does that make sense? It's like almost feels like a normal storyline from a housewife. And then we learn there's aliases or we learn it's like we're learning about her business with Drop Poet Drews, which, which we've learned about so many housewife businesses. And this doesn't seem like a business that's out of the realm of possibility for housewives. But then when we learn more about the business, it's like, what the fuck? There's six camps and then, uh, they're all over the country. And then, but Drew's just the face. I mean, it's like, Every time I think we're in a normal housewife situation with Drew, it's like we learn a little bit more. And I did some research, you guys. Wait, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. But I did some research on Ralph because I was so confused when she was at the, when Drew was at the Manny Petty with her mom, who I liked her mom's purple hair, by the way, and they were filing down Drew's hooves. Drew says she didn't know Ralph was writing a book about step parenting, which, okay, that, that's something that we could talk about for 25 minutes as it is. I mean, who gave him the book deal? Apparently the assistant got him the book deal, but then they fired the assistant because the assistant was the one who also wanted to give him a massage. Like that's fucking nuts. But also it's hard to get a book deal. And I uh, believe me, I know there's how there's plenty of people on these shows who have large followings that still can't get a book deal. Okay. We see a lot of the reality. I know this as a ghostwriter, you guys, we see, a lot of the reality stars from the housewives and from these Bravo TV shows, they come out with books, but there's a whole slew of them that aren't able to get the book deal, right? Because 
even though they all come out with them, it's hard to sell a book. And so a lot of them come out with the book and can't quite sell the book. And so that not all the publishers are doing the books for book deals for the Bravo celebrities, especially someone like Ralph and Drew, who are one season people. They were just on their show for one season. So it's not as much of a sure thing to come out with a book with them when they've only been on TV for one season, let alone just for Ralph to get a book deal when he's the husband of the housewife who's only been on one season and maybe it's with a smaller publisher, maybe it's being self-published or something like that, but they said he got a book deal. So uh, none of that makes any sense to me. Which, by the way, you can order my book, How Do I Unremember This? Get it now. Um, so that they let me write another book. But uh, I looked up Ralph. Okay, so the book deal is one thing. And also, writing a whole book is a lot of words. <laughs> it's a lot of words to fill up a book. And so can Ralph fill up a book? And who's obviously he's not writing it. He's, he must have got a ghostwriter. But then a lot of the things they do, I'm like, why are we putting so much money behind this? They they would have to hire a ghostwriter and pay the ghostwriter a bunch of money to do the book. And why are we doing... Uh, none of it makes financial sense to me. It's like the whole thing with the the Drop It With Drew program where they got all these camps. I'm like, I feel like that's a lot of money to open up all those camps. You're like fronting a lot of money for something that isn't a viable business model. Am I making sense? So anyway, then I looked up Ralph online because I wanted to know, is his book out? Does it exist? And I did not find the book, but what I did find was, whoo, shocking. Ralph, go to everyone, pause this podcast if you have to, or if you got your phone out, go to ralphpittman.com. Maybe it was Ralph Pittman Jr. I might have read that down wrong. But I, it's ralphpittman.com or ralphpittmanjr.com or ralphjrpittman.com. I don't know if I can know. Look, Google it. Google it. Anyway, when you go to the website, it's got a picture of him. And it says, New, New Age Innovator. And uh, in the scene with Drew, we find out that he won't adopt Josiah. And Drew doesn't know why, which that's another thing that's like, that doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so... He's writing a book about step-parenting, but then won't adopt the kid who's been raised. It doesn't make any sense. Then the website, it says, uh, okay, believe, commit, sacrifice, and repeat. Okay, shall I repeat that? The website says, believe, commit, sacrifice, and repeat. Then it says, (laughs) this is crazy. And I feel bad talking about somebody's business, but I mean, I hope it does well. You know, God bless Ralph. He's a gorgeous man. You know, I always feel bad saying mean things. Let's just say he's gorgeous, stunningly good looking. And so is Drew. I think they're a gorgeous couple. Okay, so with that said, then his website says book today. And then it says conviction is where fear, doubt, and options don't exist. So he's, you guys, I don't even know how to explain. I don't even know if I'm explaining this properly, but go to the website. Because he's like, he's calling himself a new age innovator and then he like says you could book today. I guess it's sort of like life coaching, which I've seen them in therapy. Like they need the therapy, not him giving other people the therapy. And yet it seems like you could book today and he'll try to teach us stuff. But I don't know that there's much I want to learn from him. Just like with the book, he's got a book coming out about step parenting. I don't know that I really want to take his advice about step parenting. Call me crazy. I don't have any step kids, but maybe I would look for a book from anyone else. <laughs> I would go to fucking Barnes and Noble, walk my ass over to Barnes and Noble, and I'd say, "Hey, do you have books by anyone other than Ralph Pittman about step parenting?" If I was looking for a book about step parenting, I mean, ladies, am I right? Go over to your independent bookstore and ask for. You walk up to that counter and you'd say, "Hey, do you got books by literally anyone else? Literally anyone else? I don't care who it is. 
It could be a made-up person. You know, sometimes people write books under alias names. That's what Ralph should do. He's got all them aliases that he's running around town in Florida, wherever, with them aliases, calling himself Danielle. So maybe he should write the book under the alias, because I don't know that I want to take this advice, allegedly. All of this podcast is alleged. I want to get in trouble because I'm talking about businesses. But none of this business makes any sense. And then the website to just say conviction is where fear, doubt, and options don't exist. It's like, what is that telling? Why is that making me want a book today? You're just, none of it makes any. Remember with the scholastic book fairs? Millennials know what I'm talking about. Remember when you were in school? And they would say, oh, we got the Scholastic Book Fair coming. And so they would set up a room in the school. It was like the best fucking day. Ah, nothing was better than the Scholastic Book Fair day. And you would get the catalog, and then the Scholastic Book Fair would come, and they'd set up in another room or in some gym or whatever. And then you'd go, and it was like a store. You could buy stuff from Scholastic Book Fair. And it was mostly books, like I remember. And you would have to ask your parents. It'd be like, oh, can I have $4 for the Scholastic Book Fair? And the rich kids would always come in with like a fucking blank check. Oh, I fucking hate it when they come in with a blank check. Uh, I remember this girl, Sarah, she was such a, oh, I was so pissed at her. Every fucking time she'd come in with a blank check. And I was like, where, where, why are you just getting a blank check? Meanwhile, my mom, I was like, can I have some money for this classic book fair? She's like, go look in the couch cushions. And it was like scraping together 75 cents that my grandma accidentally dropped out of her purse when she was getting a hard candy. And it got in between the couch cushions. And that's how I had to buy my Goosebumps book. Do you get what I mean? It was like uh, this girl, Sarah, though, just she would give her a blank check. Like she was in the Disney movie, blank check. Which, by the way, I just rewatched that. Does not hold up. <laughs> I mean, it holds up until the end when the FBI agent kisses the young boy on the lips. That's troubling. It's troubling. And somebody needs to call up the courts on Disney. Because that was disgusting. It was not appropriate for the old woman. The old woman who's actually in real life friends with Carol. It all comes back to housewives. Carol from The Real House of New York. The woman who played the FBI agent who kissed the young boy in blank check. It's one of Carol's best friends. Remember, Carol threw the book party for her on The Real House of New York. Full circle. Anyway, this asshole, Sarah, she'd always come in with a blank check. She'd get everything from the Scholastic Book Fair. Anyway, my point is, when the Scholastic Book Fair would come, they would have all these posters that would just say, you know, like, believe. And then it would say some inspirational quote. And it'd be like a picture of a dog. And I honestly want to decorate my office with those because I miss them. It reminds me of my youth. Remember, it would just be like a golden retriever and it'd say, believe. And it really is what I think prepped everyone and prepped the millennial generation for a home goods. When you walk into the home goods and there's all the word art, I honestly blame those posters that just had some sort of dog, a border collie on it. And it said, believe in yourself. You know, I blame those posters from the Scholastic Book Fair. And whoever made those, I blame you for the Ray Dunn. Okay? I'm sure Ray Dunn was running around that Scholastic Book Fair just buying all those posters with the Cocker Spaniel on it that said, you are you. And so I blame them. I blame them. Uh, anyway, that's what I feel like Ralph Pittman's whole website was. It was just, they might as well have pictures of, uh, Cocker Spaniels and Border Collies on it because it didn't make any fucking sense and I didn't believe in any of it. Uh, we got to talk about Sheree. This is going to be a long episode, you guys. I just, I have a lot of thoughts. We got to talk about Sheree. First of all, I want to talk about Sheree's daughter's podcast. Now, I did some recon on this too. I was doing a lot of research this episode because I feel like I got to come to you guys with some facts. And so I was looking up Sheree's daughter's podcast. Now she's got 122 episodes and 47 reviews. Okay. But yet in the episode, we were seeing them in a studio, 
But I listened. I didn't listen to full episodes, but I put on the episodes and it listened for a second because I wanted to see, do they have full studio audio? Because here's what I was thinking. I record my show from a little room in my house with a little machine. I don't have a professional studio or anything or an audio engineer, none of that. And yet here they were at a big studio, which a studio to rent out is very costly. Unless you're on a network, which a network maybe will have a studio space. Like if you're on something like Dear Media, they have a studio space that their podcast can use or rent or book. But I don't believe that the daughter used the studio at any other time other than to be on camera. So I think this whole thing was set up. Now we know on Real Housewives and reality shows in general, they set up scenes. And of course, they don't want to just record from home like they normally do. And But I was listening to the episodes and I was like, this doesn't sound like professional audio. So I don't think they record any episodes. So what I'm saying is like, they knew they were going to film there. And I've been kind of cautious or I've been kind of skeptical about this podcast that Trey's daughter's doing in the past because they've mentioned it a few times on the show. So I believe that Trey put it in the contract that they have to mention the daughter's podcast a few times, which is a very smart business move from Sheree. She doesn't get a lot of good business credit because she by Sheree has been upwards of 17 years and still doesn't exist. However, I think this was very business savvy of Sheree to have the podcast to be mentioned a bunch of times in the episodes because we get this scene where she's in there and then the, they're getting breaking news. It all just was very set up to me because A, I don't think they recorded an episode. I tried to find Sheree's episode, couldn't find it. So I don't even think the episode they allegedly recorded exists. And none of the other episodes, to my knowledge, sounded like professional audio equipment. So I don't imagine that they recorded any of them in a studio. And uh, if they did, it wouldn't make much sense because it wouldn't, that would not be business savvy because they'd have to spend money on studio space. And I don't think they should be doing that. So anyway, Tyrone get, there's breaking news. Apparently Tyrone wanted to come on TV to tell his story and he's leaking photos of Sheree and scamming her. I do not care for that man. Sheree's been through enough and she's being so vulnerable. Later in the episode, we saw her cry with her friend. We're getting to know her friend. Is it Fatum? I hope I'm saying that correctly. Forgive me. Fatum, right? That's her friend's name. It seems like she's going to be a friend of it. And she's the one who found out that Drew and the other husband was doing aliases around town, which was, I mean, I was on Drew's side with that because it's like this woman just barely met Drew and decided to hire someone, a real estate agent. Can we all sit back and talk about this for 45 minutes? Fatum, she hired a real estate agent because when she's telling all this information, she's like, yeah, my friend found out that they got all these aliases. And so we did research. And then somebody asked, like, oh, is it a detective? Which would be fucking nuts if she hired a detective. But it's even more nuts because she's like, no, he's a real estate agent. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> she saved the best for last. When she said, no, he's not a detective, he's a real estate agent. I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? She's a keeper. She's kind of got a chaotic energy that I'm into. And then when she was doing the coochie incense later in the episode... I was like, she's someone we need to keep her. She's a chaos agent for this show that like you can't predict. And it was like Sheree was having the pajama party, and she's like, I brought the coochie incense. And Candy was right on board. I mean, Candy was like maybe a little tiny bit skeptical, but Candy's willing to throw anything up there. You know, she's got she's willing to throw the buzzing panties under there. She's got the sex toy line. Like Candy's all for put whatever you need to do to keep that cat that keep that thing nice and tight and right. I mean, she don't care. And so when she found out about the coochie incense, Candy was like, okay, well, let's do it. And then they did a whole ceremonial thing. Drew wasn't really interested because she thought it was black magic. But other the, that the other women were all on board and they were kind of just having a whole thing. It was fun time. I was having a great time. 
I was in a great time. What else happened this episode? Uh, Marlo kicked the kids out. Kicked the kids out. Wow. She kicked the kids right out. She said she just needs some her time. Uh, she needed to have her own time. She met with Sheree's life coach, which the life coach, I don't know we talked about on the podcast, but that life coach that, if it was the same life coach that we saw Sheree sitting down with, she needs to get a refund because that's not a life coach that anyone should be paying money to. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, oh, the other thing was to, wait, we need to go backwards a little bit because I'm, I'm looking at my notes and I missed this. So when Drew was sitting down with the mom, the mom had gotten a message from a psychic or something. It was so bizarre. I, I It was so weird. And then the whole episode, Drew's like, which one is it that the psychic is talking about? And I was like, it was so fucked up. So fucked up. I did, didn't know. It was so crazy. It was so crazy. Uh, then the slumber party. Let's see. Um, let me look at my notes. Cut to pajama party. Coochie incense in between legs to get spirits out. I wrote, what? <laughs> Honestly, these notes, when I take these notes, you guys, it's so insane. It just says coochie incense in big letters. Like if somebody were to come rob my house or something, I don't have anything expensive in this home, but I do have just notes scattered all throughout the house from the real housewives. And so they'd pick up a piece of paper looking for, I don't know, uh, some sort of bank document or something. And they'd pick up notes that just say coochie incense in big, bold letters. (laughs) They'd go right to the next house. They'd be like... (laughs) They'd be like, we're not finding anything here. He's got a Rosie O'Donnell McDonald's toy from 1997 and some notes that say coochie incense. And so they'd move right to the next house. (laughs) Oh, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. I worked out this morning. I got my running endorphins before the show. I don't always do my workout before the show, before I record, but today I did. So here we go. Here we go. Let's go, girls. Let's go, girls. I don't have that on the soundboard anymore. Um, okay, Lisa Wu is there. I missed her. I want her back. And, oh, this was interesting, too. So it's a pajama party, but then they were doing the artwork. Remember I told you they had the man with the bare ass, the bare caboose. I mean, his caboose. Woo! It was a good caboose. I don't know. I get the screener episode, so I don't know. It wasn't on the episode they aired on Bravo. Was it blurred? Because they don't blur the bare ass in the screeners. They do blur the or blur the front side, which I was upset about. I was like, couldn't we have just not blurred that? Anyway, they blur out the front side, but they don't blur out the bear caboose. And so I don't know if they show that bear caboose on the Bravo episodes, but it was a gorgeous caboose. Gorgeous caboose. But what was interesting is like, he wasn't the person they were drawing. They were just drawing like what looked to me like cartoon penises that were, I forgive my language, but jizzing. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know how else to say that they were drawing penises that were jizzing. Okay, is there a better way to phrase that? I'm not sure. But that's what was happening, because it was just like a close-up. You know, normally when we see the nude models, we see the women on Roni. Remember, they all were at Ramona's house, and they had the nude model come in, and they were drawn his whole body. But here in Atlanta, it was like, I was just seeing a bunch of close-up pictures of just a penis, and then it was almost like, um, you know, when you get a comic book and it says, or, or the Batman show, remember the old Batman show with Bruce, um, what's his name? Bruce Wayne is the name of Batman, but who was the guy who played Batman? What was his name? Did I ever tell you about the time I almost got a Batman tattoo on my calf? <laughs> I am embarrassed to say this, but when Batman Begins come out, came out, I was still straight. And I wanted to get the Christopher Nolan version of the bat signal on the back of my calf. And I almost did. I went to the tattoo parlor 
And my brother Brian was like, oh, I'm going to get one too. But then he didn't want to get it. I was like, okay, I'll come back. And then luckily I never came back. Otherwise I could just have like Christopher Nolan's Batman tattoo on the back of my leg, which is like, what the fuck would that be about? (laughs) So crazy. Uh, Anyway, um, the original Batman, like the TV show, where, remember on screen, he would like hit someone and it would say, bam, you know? Like, that's what I felt like they were drawing, except for it was a penis and it was just jizz coming out. And in my head, like, they would, uh, they would end the photo by just writing bam on, on it, because that's the kind of vibe I was getting from all these drawings. It was like very cartoonish. And I don't think it was that man's penis. I think it was just like a random cartoonish penis. I mean, what was the kind of drawings they were doing? Did anyone ever see the movie Waiting for Guffman? If you haven't, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but if you've never seen Waiting for Guffman, it's truly, in, I believe, the funniest movie ever. Funniest, like, I laugh hysterically when I see that movie. It's the same people who did Best in Show. So if you've ever seen Best in Show, and if that type of humor makes you laugh, you've got to see Best in, or you've got to see Waiting for Guffman. It's the same thing. It's Christopher Guest, is not Christopher Nolan. It's Christopher Guest. I know some people mistake the two. <laughs> Um, it's Christopher Guest and Parker Posey's in it, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara. I mean, the most brilliant people in Waiting for Guffman. But it's the movie that makes me laugh the most. But you have to like that sense of humor. If you don't, I remember one time I sat my parents down to watch those movies. I sat them down to watch Waiting for Guffman and then Best in Show. And they like didn't get it at all. Like they just didn't laugh. I was like, okay, I must be adopted or something. Because I would thought this was the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen, and they didn't get it. It's like certain people get it, certain people don't. Anyway, in Waiting for Guffman, Corky, the director of this play, he's like becoming a costume designer, and he draws a picture of the costume. And when it's when the camera scrolls down to look at the picture that he drew, where the audience is thinking we're going to see some like sketch of a great costume design, and then it's just like a cartoon. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt watching The Real House of Atlanta when they showed us a picture of the penis with the jizzing coming out and the jizzing happening. Why? I don't think I've ever said the word jizzing in my life. I just said it like 15 times on this podcast. Is that even a word, jizzing? I think it's a word. It's not a great word. Somebody just asked me the other day, I was on a podcast and they asked me like, they did that inside the actor's studio questions where it was like, what's your least favorite word? And my least favorite word is the word peen, like uh, the euphemism for penis. I hate that word. And jizzing's like got to be up there. I don't like saying the word jizzing, even though I've said it twenty upwards of 20 times this episode. But the word peen to me is the worst one. Like I can't think of a worse word. Favorite word, caboose. I love that word. Bamboozled, love that word. Uh, but peen is definitely my least favorite. Don't like it. Do not care for it. And right up there, jizzing. Um, okay, so what else is going on? Oh, Lisa snapped. Lisa Wu snapped at Sonya, and I wanted Lisa Wu back in that moment. They were also playing this like yes queen thing, and, and when Drew was talking, they were like no queen. <laughs> oh, I loved that. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so, luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic—a North American company that 
thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y, dot com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So then Sonia and Drew are still fighting, and I don't think either one of them know what they're fighting about. They're just arguing while they were drawing the penis with the jizzing happening. They were just arguing about nonsense. They just don't care for each other. And I almost feel like they're both trying to have that Kenya-Portia dynamic that was so successful. But it just feels false to me because I don't even think they know that they don't like each other or why they don't like each other or any of that. I think they're just arguing. And it's weird. It's weird. Uh, Then... Marlo and Kenya have their whole situation happening, and I don't think that they know what they're fighting about. Kenya did call Marlo a Sasquatch in a lace front, which made me laugh, but it was not nice. It was not nice. Not nice at all. Uh, by the way, Kenya was drunk this whole episode. They had a drink counter on the screen, and I love seeing drunk Kenya because she never seems to get drunk. And she wasn't doing it in the bamboozle Jane way of like, oh, it's so nice to see her let loose. And then she's yelling at a young child, a 14-year-old boy. Like, Kenya was just getting drunk and having fun. And I liked that side of her. I really liked just seeing her loose and fancy free. It was really nice. And she even talked to the camera. I love when they kept that shot in where she was like, I'm fabulous. And she was talking to the camera. Or I don't know what she was saying. She's like, I'm the moment. And then Marla was like, you're not the moment to Mark. Which I hate that Marla keeps bringing up the ex-husband Mark. Because it's like, who the fuck cares that Mark don't like her? Like, we don't like Mark. Like, I don't, who cares that Mark left her because I, she should leave Mark. Like, they shouldn't be together. He seems like he was an asshole. He seems like he was uh, abusive in a lot of ways. And the things that we've heard have not been good. So, like, why would she have wanted kept Mark? And it's like this whole insult of, like, you couldn't even keep your husband, kept your husband, or you couldn't keep Mark. It's like, good. She shouldn't want to keep Mark. What an asshole. And I don't like that they're using it. seems like in the previews for the mid-season, it seems like they're also arguing about that where Candy's like, you can't even keep a man, she says to Marlo. It's like, who wants to keep a man? <laughs> like, who cares? There are not some prize to be won. Ladies, am I right? Um, so what else happened? Can Oh, this is... Uh, I already talked about Fatum saying, Candy, we need to get the coochie incense. She That was when they went and got the coochie incense. 
And uh, apparently you need hair to adhere to for the coochie incense. And Candy's like, you have hair there? And Marlo's like, this is going to give you a yeast infection. And this, this is why Atlanta's top tier. Because Marlo talking about the coochie incense giving you a yeast infection, I mean, it's just it's just perfect chef kiss entertainment. I mean, laughter the whole episode. Nothing, again, not a lot of water cooler moments. I mean, unless you're sitting around the work water cooler wanting to talk about the coochie incense. But for the most part, there wasn't any big arguments or fights or legal drama. Like there is in something like Salt Lake City or the Beverly Hills Housewives. But here in Atlanta, just consistently good. And speaking of consistently good, i got to remind you all, Married to Medicine. We don't always cover it on the show. I've had some of the Married to Medicine cast members on the podcast, but you got to watch it. Consistently the best show on Bravo. Never had a bad season. So good. The cast is still a bunch of OGs. There are cast members that have been on the show for the 100 years. Dr. Jackie, Simone, Dr. Heavenly, Quad. I mean, this group of women. Best entertainment on Bravo. And I don't cover it because I've tried to cover it on this show. And people, I know they come to this podcast for housewives. And so they, people don't listen to the Married to Medicine recaps when I've done them. But I just have to tell you, check it out. It's been on for a hundred years, but it's never had a bad season. Always consistently a great year. Even the COVID year was a good year, which is shocking because most of these shows flop during their COVID seasons. Married to Medicine, always good. And I watched the first episode. Fantastic. So you can jump in now. You can go back to the beginning. It's always good. And once you get to know these gals, you'll love them. You'll love, and it's got everything you want. Everything you love from Housewives has got the personal drama. And yet Married to Medicine also does a great job incorporating the men, which a lot of the housewives don't do very well. And yet on Married to Medicine, I like hanging out with the men on there. And we get to see them at work, and they're doing this really wonderful work with their in medicine. And Dr. Heavenly's a dentist, and you get to see some of those storylines play out. It's just so good. So good. I love it. I love it. So watch Married to Medicine. Uh, I think we got everything from Atlanta. I'm sure I missed some things because I wasn't really going through my notes the way that I normally do because I have too much um, running endorphins running through me. So that's it. Real House of Atlanta, mid-season, baby. Mid-season. I can't believe we're at mid-season. I'm excited, though. I'm mean, really just loving this season. I really am loving this season of Atlanta. And Girls Trip, best show on TV. And uh, Beverly Hills is also on. And... <laughs> Beverly Hills is also airing. Um, I'm excited for Salt Lake City. Did you see uh, the gals were in New York for Jen Shaw's trial? That's apparently their last cast trip. They're at um, Meredith Marks and Heather Gay are in New York for the trial. So I can't wait for that to all play out on my screen. I miss the Salt Lake City gals. I miss them. And I think from everything I hear with Salt Lake City, ooh, this upcoming season is supposed to be good. I hear it's going to be good. Uh, I love you all so much for listening. I want to do our cheesy little cool down. Let's take a deep breath in. And hold it. Breathe out. Let's take another deep breath in. And hold it. Breathe out. Uh, We got some great guests coming up on the show this week. Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know if you guys have ever read the books Blink or The Tipping Point or Outliers. Brilliant author, best six-time best-selling author. He's also got a podcast called Revisionist History, and I have always been a fan of his work. But also, I just find him super fascinating. And so, I have a whole episode with him coming very soon. Malcolm Gladwell. I can't believe I'm, it's so funny to me. Some of the people we've had on the show have been 
running the gamut of like a housewife of New York and then Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, it's just been incredible to get to talk to some people that I always have wanted to talk about. And I know, uh, it's always nice to hear from different people. So that'll be out, I think, very this week or next week, or it'll be out very soon. I'll let you guys know. But if you click subscribe or follow wherever you listen to the podcast, you'll get all the updates there. Um, but it's a great interview. I just did it, and I think it's it's wonderful to listen to, and he's brilliant. And his show, Revisionist History, is so great. Uh, if you've never listened to that podcast, it's a different kind of vibe. It's not like this podcast, but... He's much smarter than I am. And I felt like I kept saying, I was like, I hope I don't sound like a dummy. Because <laughs> he's smart. He's like sitting down with Oprah all the time. Him and Oprah are having lunch. And then he's talking to me for uh, 45 minutes. So I'm like, I hope I don't sound like a dummy. Uh, but it was nice to talk to him. So check that out when it's out. So subscribe and follow. And then we have some other great guests too. I don't want to spoil them, but coming very soon. Uh, I love you all so much for listening. Stay safe. And we'll talk later this week. Bye-bye.